1: them.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Moon Underwater. We have Jan Ravens here, Impressionist extraordinaire. Her pub is taking shape right before our eyes. It has configurations, which I love. And there are booths dotted within and without those configurations. London Lager, meantime, Doom Bar on Draft, uh, Cans of Punk AF by Brewdog, and bottles of white burgundy. Mmm, smooth. Uh, but you join us on some oh-so-tenter hooks as we wait for the results of the Moon Underwater pub quiz. And, Robin, I think it might be worth reminding of the questions before the answers for those joining
2: us, perhaps after a toilet trip or asleep. sleep. Sure, sure. Thanks, John. Well, speaking of Greenwich Mean Time my quiz this week was all about time. So the first question was, what was notable about the leap year in the year 2000? Jan, what are you saying?
1: Well, the only thing that I can think of is, is it when, you know how leap years, I, I, no, actually, I don't know. I was going to say, is it when the kind of the the leap got completed? But of course it was, but the, you know, because it's it's like a quarter of a a quarter of a day
2: you're on the right path there i i would i would say yeah. john, john have you got any anything to add well i think if jan's on the right
0: path i'm on the wrong path i was going to say was the date of the leap year like a palindrome oh that's a nice answer because it would be 2002 cuz february I wondered if it was one of those sort of mad. Right. Okay. Yeah. One of those weird palindromic
2: things. No, the answer is so it's so the year 2000 was notable because it was a leap year. Every year that is exactly divisible by four is a leap year, except for years that are exactly divisible by 100. However, centurial years, like the year 2000, are leap years if they are exactly divisible by 400. All right. So, for example, 17. 18. It doesn't, seven, it doesn't
0: matter. No one knows the answer to this. They question. will. It doesn't okay. matter. The years matter.
2: It does matter. It matters. So the years 1700, 1800, and 1900 are not leap years, despite the fact that they should. They, you know, you would think they would have been, because 1904 was a leap year. 1896 was a leap year. But the years 1600 and 2000 are leap years. Does that make sense? John's put his hat on. Yeah,
0: good. that's a good noise. It's a good noise. Next,
2: next question. I don't think I explained it very well. What is the name given to the shadow casting object on a sundial? Jan, you get, you get any, any, anywhere with this? Um,
1: I've got no idea. I'll say uh, a tangent.
2: That's nice. Off on a tangent, John? Uh, no, I was going to say like speculum
0: or fulcrum or something, speculum but I think they're both fucking... both very different uses. Will <laughs> yeah. something be something in that? It's that called
2: ballpark. a it's a, nomon, a gnomon, a g n o m o n. Sounds like a good name for a prog rock band. Question three was: If 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins was released today, what would it be called? Jan, no clue. Sorry, no idea. John, I've gone 2006. Very, actually, you know what? So the album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins was released in 1995. So 16 years after 1979. If it had been released in 2021, the song may have been called 2005, which is quite, but the single, I will give you this, the single did come out in 1996. So therefore, your... Point to Robbins. I think we might be able to give you that. No, no, because it would have been a year before, wouldn't it? Hold on. It would have been even... What was your guess again? 2006? 2006. 2006. No, it doesn't work either way, that, I don't think. Uh, Sorry about I was that. was close, though. Very, very close, yeah, and very well done if you got that home. And if you're of a certain age, that fact will make you feel very sad indeed. Well, thank you, Robin, for the answers to that
0: timely quiz. Um, but we must return to Jan Ravens's Dreamly pub. Um, Jan... I I've got beer in one hand spirits in the other this evening. What are your two spirit choices and are you a spirit lover?
1: Um I like um I like a gin um or a vodka I quite I quite like the sort of cleanness of gin and vodka. Um I'm not actually fussy about um about what gin and about what gin or vodka but I do like uh I'm sorry to say um a fever tree tonic. I do quite like a sort of aromatic Tonic.
0: Not a problem.
1: You know, I, I it it's just seems so I mean, Fever Tree have taken over the world, haven't they? It's quite extraordinary.
2: It's a bit like when a football team gets bought out and they suddenly start doing really well. Is that do you think that happened with FeverTree? Like some billionaire just really decided to invest in tonic water and now they're everywhere. You know?
0: They were a huge share, like a massive success story of the twenty tens. If you had shares in Fever Tree, you were in a good place. And I, I they 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 may well have been bought by uh, a big brewer or a soft drink company.
1: Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. Um, but I, what I do love as well, but I don't think I'm going to get one in a pub, but I do love a cocktail and I do love a vodka martini uh, and I do love a margarita. But I think a margarita is too complicated for a person to make in a pub. You know the squeezing of the limes and the salt on the glass, and um, and I, I I make a mean margarita myself. And um, but I think actually what they could do quite simply is a vodka martini, because it's just you know vodka, not much martini, shake it up with the ice, you know, Bob's your uncle, and it, you know it's not beyond the capability of um, of the pub. Bar staff to get you um, to get you a vodka martini. At least it would be a possibility if you had some vodka
0: and some dry vermouth. So, are those your two choices, vodka and dry vermouth? Yeah, if I may. You certainly may. Um, What I'm going to have to press you for a brand of vodka. Uh,
1: Okay, Uh, Grey
0: Goose. Ooh, lovely choice.
2: Well, John, you seem to have discovered uh, margaritas recently. Do you find them difficult to make, or are you slinging them down your neck without a th- thought?
0: <laughs> I'm slinging them down my le- neck like a marathon runner at a water station. Um, <laughs> what I would say is there's a company, and I always forget the name. Let me look it up in my mind. There's a company that make a really good premix margarita, and they sell it in the little deli near me. It is outrageously expensive. And I'm trying to find it in my mind. They also do Negronis.
1: What, like Diane Abbott's mojito in a can kind of thing?
0: No, it's it's not in a can. It comes in a bottle. So they're called Morehouse Cocktails, mm. right? And the Morehouse Margarita is one of, I think it might be the most beautiful thing thing I've ever tasted
2: Jesus Christ
0: it comes in a really nice glass bottle and really all you need to do is is put it in the fridge and then just pour it into like a shot glass to sip from one thing I would warn people is if you freeze it because obviously you can freeze it and it just goes very cold because it's strong enough but what happens is that the alcohol goes to the top so it separates even though it doesn't freeze, it separates. So what happens is the alcohol goes to the top. You then pour off that alcohol, have a very strong shot, and then the rest of it will freeze because the alcohol content drops. So if you do put it in the freezer, shake it before you, you,
2: before you pour it out. But it is absolutely exquisite. This reminds me, John, of the, I think one of the first times we ever went out, as in mm. to, we went to a party when we were in sixth form, and we, we spent the day getting fancy dress in Bristol with you, you, me, and our friend Sam. And we bought a bottle of pre-mixed Long Island iced tea, <laughs> which we drank in your mum's kitchen while you played a Christa Berg cassette. <laughs> and it really was quite an extraordinary evening. Uh, you said Lady in Red reminded you of every girl you'd ever loved. Um, <laughs> But that, that but and I've got Princess such, Diana. yeah, I've got such fond memories of that evening. But that drink must have been absolutely revolting. What was your first kind of drinking ex- ex- experience, or first pubs you went to? Do you remember going to, Jan?
1: Well, I used to go to a pub called the Ring of Bells in West Kirby, um, and you know we all drank like you know un- underage in those days. And I think I remember on my seventeenth birthday,
2: eighteenth birthday, surely.
1: No, honestly, I think it was my 17th, because I remember having 17 martini and lemonades.
2: Oh, Oh wow. Martin Lard. Does that... I mean,
1: would I have died? I can't sort of now... I I sort of have... You know how your memory plays tricks on you. I mean, I I sort of remember that being what had happened, but then I think, that can't have happened. Well, I would
0: imagine... Like back of a fag packet figures seventeen martinis, so that's going to be like half half the strength of a spirit, but probably double the measure. So each each is going to be like one unit. So it's the equivalent of like five pints, I guess. It just sounds an awful lot, and probably is an awful lot on a on an inexperienced young stomach. Yeah.
1: But there you go. You see, my parents met in a brewery, so I was it was never going to go well for me, really, in that department. Oh, how did they meet? They worked in the in the office at Threl Falls Brewery in Liverpool, mm. and um, and my grand my grandfather was a sort of you know middle management executive at uh, at Threl Falls. and so um, when I was a kid, we used to live with him, and he used to get like a delivery from Threl Falls every few weeks. You know, the crate of Threlfalls Falls Blue Label and Threlfalls Falls Forex Pale Ale and um, yeah, all these crates. And we used to get lemonade, you know, the lemonade as well, which I was, you know, obviously very pleased about at the time. And um, yeah, so, so they met in a brewery. However, my mother's great, 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 great something. How many greats? Don't know. Um, grandfather founded the Band of Hope movement which was um, a temperance movement uh, founded in Leeds to, to to sort of encourage children into temperance so that they didn't grow up to be, you know, terrible men that, you know, drank all the week's wages. And there's a plaque to him. Do you know what he's called? He's called Jabez Tunnicliffe.
0: Oh. oh that's a nice name. <laughs> yeah. You, I have to say, you've mentioned some incredible names and pub names <laughs> so far we've got the Gurnard's Head the Shipwright's Arms, the Green Lodge the Ringer Bells, Thrillful's Falls Boo Label, Band of Hope and Jabez Tunniclip, it sounds amazing <laughs> I guess yeah. that is that Band of Hope thing a bit like that slightly chilling movement in America where young children wear rings to, to not have sex True Love Waits Also the name of
2: Radiohead song.
1: Yeah, no, it was more sort of, I mean, by the time I was a kid, I remember there being Band of Hope things on the beach at Hoylake where a man called Uncle Stan would come and, um, you know, lead the children in fun and games and hymn singing uh, on the beach at Hoylake. God knows what was going on there. But anyway.
2: The temperance movement was huge. I mean, particularly after the gin craze, you know, with people where gin was just. Everywhere in the Victorian era. I mean, it's kind of not surprising that there was a move towards temperance and everything.
1: Well, Jabez, uh, when he died uh, in Leeds, there were 15,000 people marched round the streets at his funeral.
2: I bet the wake was a bit bit dry, though, was it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's interesting.
0: Mm. Well... Jan, we've got Grey Goose and Dry Vermouth behind the bar. But here at The Moon Underwater, we are absolute... We we are complete word dweebs. We're absolute (laughs) nerdos uh, because we have a library here. And every week, Robin introduces a new pubbly piece
2: of prose... To the Moon Underwater Pub Library. So, Robin, what is it this week? Thanks, John. This week in the pub library, we've got a book that John actually lent to me, which is "The Lost Weekend" by Charles Jackson. Oh, have you read it? I've started, just started reading it. Um, and it's oh, and, wow. Uh, it, it's John's copy, and there is it does appear to be booze spilt on it, and some very <laughs> em, <laughs> some very emphatic underlinings throughout. <laughs> But it's it's a brilliant novel. Uh, have you heard of this book, Jan?
1: It's I, I, have I did was did Jack Lemon do a film of it? Is it about yes, there alcoholic? is a film of it. Was it Jack Lemon or was it or was that another one with Ray Well,
0: it's quite an odd it's quite an odd prospect for a film because it's a book about a guy who gets completely hammered for two or three days, but the film is really good.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it, what is amazing about the book, just from having started, is, is it really captures that kind of delusional quality of the drinker. I mean, the amazing scene at the start where he's sitting in a bar, looking at himself in the mirror, and he has this idea for the novel. He's a would-be writer. He wants to be a writer. He has the, this idea for the novel, and he kind of follows it through to his, in his head to the point where he's, like, imagining the reviews of the novel and everything. and It's a tour de force when he realises this. <laughs> all a load of complete rubbish but it's so good and it is quite funny as well although it is obviously very very dark but it is it's extremely funny but this is the little passage which is is just um just after that sequence where he's kind of imagined writing this book so he's in the pub in New York it's set in the it's set in the 30s actually it was written in the 40s How far from thy homeland hast thou come, from thy far Irish county, to this dark, whisky-smelling, mirrored, cheap, quiet, lovely haven. Surely the most beautiful light in all the world was the light on the bricks out there, under the L, the patches of gold edged in black shadow, a street paved with golden bricks truly, with beams of light slanting upward fairer and purer than rays of sun through cathedral glass. Why should Cézanne have painted the blue monotonous hills and fields of France? Let him paint this, for Christ's sake. Or me, let me do it. For he knew now just how it could be done, and downed his drink in an inspired impulse to rush out and spend all his money on painting materials and try. He ordered a drink and drank it, and looked again, to fix the scene and the light in his mind. The gold was gone, the rays out. The bricks red and black with neon night. Oh man, <laughs> that's really good, wow. isn't it? <laughs>
1: you can just you can just picture yourself sitting in a cosy corner reading that,
0: can't you?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's it's so good.
0: What I love about that book is is the way that he manages those delusions of grandeur, sort of from their enormous, highfaluting peaks to their immediate sort of crashes to the ground. Yeah, yeah. That that bit where he's imagining the novel he writes and he, he imagines all of the books stacked up in bookshop windows on display as like a bestseller, but it turns on a sixpence and it's that that sort of the drunkard's self-loathing kicks in so quickly after their sort of very egotistical so fantasies about their own their own success.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's an extraordinary book. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And it like I said it's kind of it does have humor in it. I mean and but it, and it's very moving as well.
0: Well, that's The Lost Weekend. Is it by
2: Charles Jackson? Charles Jackson, yeah. Yeah, a very, very worthy
0: addition to the Moon Underwater pub library. Uh, but Jan, it's not just our nerd nodules we're <laughs> buffing and rendering here. We also like listening to we also like listening to music through our ear holes. Uh,
2: a... Are you sure the margaritas are a good idea, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a
0: jukebox here at the moon underwater and we would be so delighted and honored if you would add an album ideally a cd to the moon underwater jukebox and we'd like that album to be the the music that you would most like to hear in a pub when you walk in or are there with friends or in whatever scenario you see fit
1: this is a really difficult one actually and, you know, if if you'd said a single, you know, you could sort of it, it's but an album to be to be listening to in a pub to go through the whole album. That's quite that's quite difficult. I mean, I um, I did think I'd quite like something by Elbow because Elbow are quite mellow and and, you know, you feel like they properly belong in a pub. I mean, Guy Garvey always looks like, you know, he ought to be. In, you know, he wishes he was in the pub, and indeed he writes, you know, lots of his songs have references to, to being in the pub. So I think I would have maybe one of Elbow's albums, not the one with da, na, 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 na na because that everyone would have to sort of stop drinking and sing that. Um, but maybe um uh Build a Rocket Boys or The History of Everything. What's that one called? The No Leaders of the there's Leaders of the Free World. Or build a rocket, boys, by Elbow.
0: I'm gonna have to pin you down to one of them, Jan, because there's a Jan raven size slot on our jukebox.
1: Okay, let's say build a rocket, boys.
2: The thing I, I like about Guy Garvey is he's such a fan of music. Isn't that? I mean? That's why his six music show was so good. He's kind of yeah.
1: He's
2: he's a he's a real collector of, of you know and you know a real fan, and I think that comes across in Elbow's best songs how much other music he listens to. You know? I, uh,
0: pretty much everyone I know is a fan of Elbow. So I, as someone who doesn't really know a lot of their work, I'm guessing that means they're really, really good.
2: <laughs> well, I think they, they've almost suffered in a way because of how big that song was. Because the, the stuff is is kind of darker and a bit more complex than that song, maybe.
1: What I think is brilliant about him as well is is like um, his poetry and and the humour. Actually, I mean, some of them are, like really funny. There's a song on um, the album that no uh, na 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 na. na what you call the seldom seen kid. Uh, that album where called The Fix about these this couple this couple of guys that, you know, who who put a fix on a you know, they fix a race, they they drug a racehorse so that um it loses the, the race and they're, and it's all these sort of plans of what they're gonna do when, when they get to Tuscany and they, you know, they escape. And it's but the rhyme scheme of it is just extraordinary and the jokes in it um, so I recommend, um, if you get a chance, uh, to listen to The Fix by Elbow. It's a real tour de force of um, lyric writing.
0: The fix
1: is
0: in There's a night gonna dance on the Epsom The fix is in Can't wait to see how it upsets him too many times we've been postally picked. We've loaded the saddles, the mickeys have slipped We're swapping the When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcarecom loss. That's plushcarecom loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare.
0: Hello, I'm Adam Hurry,
2: host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms, and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. From the shoes that football pundits are legally required to wear to the didn't play for Sam Allardyce's Bolton but really should have done 11, Football Clichés explores all the tiny things that you didn't realise you cared about, but believe me, you do.
0: Build-A-Rocket Boys goes on the Moon Underwater jukebox. And, Jan, we have one more choice of yours. It's your wild card, where your mind, your desire can roam free amongst any shelf you like in the uh, Tesco's booze section, or indeed a brewery's keg menagerie. Uh, What's going to be your wild card choice?
1: Well, it's going to be even wilder than that, John. Because my next priority, I'm afraid, and I'm going to insist on this, is for a decent selection of carbohydrate-based snacks.
0: Mm. Interesting. Very Mm. interesting. Talk me through your pub salad.
1: Well, here's the thing. I think that too few pubs, um, you know, have a decent... I mean, you know, lots of them do like food and meals and that kind of thing. But if you want a sort of snack, uh, you know, just something... It's just sort of, if you're going to spend an evening in a pub, um, and you're not going to eat a meal, it would be very nice to have something like, you know, a sausage roll, be it a vegan sausage roll or a, a sausage roll or, you know, a scotch egg or, you know, uh, even, even really good sandwiches, um, or, you know, or decent nuts and, you know, or even decent olives, you're going to get really posh. But just like good snacks. Um, that aren't like pork scratching and aren't cheesy wotsits and, you know.
2: One thing that I do think that more pubs should do, that the Highbury Vaults in Bristol excels at, is the good old pub roll. Just getting a good sandwich. And they were like 50p for a lovely cheese or ham roll. But that that is a good snack.
1: Yeah, cheese and onion. They used to do cheese mm. and onion roll, like, you know, raw onion.
2: Yeah, I love that.
1: Cheddar cheese and raw <laughs> onion in a big white bap.
2: And you wake up and wonder why you you, th- you you feel like you're about to have a heart attack. You've got such bad heartburn. <laughs> I, but I think che- cheese and onion is a fascinating flavour because it's
0: so common in crisps, but so rare in sandwiches. And cheese, onion, and salad cream—yes—is one of the great sandwiches. The Highbury Vaults in Bristol. When you walk in, so there's a snug on the right-hand side. There's a uh, Two tables on the left and then there's the bar and the the main pub out the back, but they always have a big tray of rolls in cling film stacked up. Yeah. On the bar. And they're about one pound fifty each.
2: It's such an ideal pub snack, the roll. Tell you what though, a Scotch egg, um another Star and Dove. It's a shame it's not run by the same people. But Star and Dove in Bristol used to be very foody. Got a Scotch egg there. Open it up. Yolk soft boiled. Ooh! Incredible stuff. You know, it's next level. Wow! That is next. Scenes.
0: Your bard. Your wild card is an exceptional array of carb-based pub snacks, e.g., sausage roll, Scotch egg, sandwiches, decent nuts and olives, and I and I applaud that. Thank you. That Thank you. And, and some decent
1: vegan options as well. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, well, you can get really nice vegan jerky now. I was having some of that the other day, Uh, sort of Chinese black bean flavoured vegan jerky. Superb.
1: Okay, I'll give that a try.
0: However, we've already made clear that there's no dry lawn in your pub, but we do have to bar or ban one other thing, activity, vibe, or whatever it is you don't want allowed in your pub. So what are you barring?
1: I am barring Glade plugins <laughs> Because I love the smell of pubs. I love I quite like it when I go past a pub and you get beer coming out through the ventilator. I just love it. and, and I like the smell of a, of a pub and I don't like it when you know you go in and it smells of old carpet and Glade plugins.
2: Maybe Glade should do a pub plug-in.
1: Well, you yeah, know, but it wouldn't be the same. I mean, Glade lavender plug-in doesn't taste, doesn't smell like lavender, does it? True, you know? true, yeah. It smells like old chemicals and ammonia. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I would ban Glade plug-ins and, and, you know, I would ask, you know, the moon underwater to embrace its own aroma and love it and um, and, you know, rejoice in it.
0: Well, for me, the classic pub aroma is spilt beer, some kind of cleaning fluid that they've used in the toilets and on the tables overnight or in the morning before it opened. A touch of BO, but not... It doesn't actually smell of BO, but it contributes to the general aroma. Breath. I think the smell of breath in a pub (laughs) is quite crucial. And then that slightly acidic... Almost vinegary hint of white wine, maybe mixed in with some sort of savoury pub snack smell. Old
1: roast dinners.
0: Yes, but I don't want the smell of cooked food or sort of fat, deep fat fryers to be too high in the mix. No.
1: What about also the smell of sort of the, the smell of um, the smell of sort of damp wool, the smell of sort of you know people's jackets who've come in out of the rain.
0: And sort of got hot. Yes, but not wet dogs. Okay. Hurry up, please. It's time. Jan, what are you going to call your pub of the mind?
1: Well, my my name is actually inspired, again, by Elbow. And um, I don't know if anybody... It seems quite a sort of, you know, an obvious sort of... Uh, name in a way for a pub, but I'd like to call the pub the Open Arms.
0: Mm. Oh, what a lovely name. That's a great name for a pub. And does that reflect the welcoming vibe of your pub?
1: Yeah, it could have a lovely sign. And th- there is actually a song by Elbow called Open Arms, which they do as an encore quite often, which is, you know, you know, there's open, open arms for you, you know, you, your friends are here, you know, kind of thing. And it's a really lovely song with a really lovely vibe. And I just think, um, yeah, that, that, you know, I, th- I think the thing about my pub is, as well is that, you know, the staff are going to be very um, stringently vetted for being really nice people because, it's, you know, that's really, really important. I mean, if you can get any staff at the moment. Um, but yeah, if you, you know, you, that, that there's a welcome and a smile and, you know, kind of come in. And also what you were saying about books when you were reading out that lovely book. I think that is another really important thing about a pub that everybody feels that it's okay to go there on their own. Yes. You know, and there'll be open arms for everybody. If you want to sit in the corner and read a book, you know, or just contemplate, you know, life that you're not, you know, you won't be sort of like, you know, given funny looks or hassled or anything like that. That it's a, it's a welcome place for people on their own, as well as people in different
0: configurations. Yeah. <laughs> in different configurations Brilliant. and yeah. also with their dogs. But with also with their kids in a wonderfully set out family room, which doesn't punish them for having brought children to the pub in the daytime. And what a welcoming vibe it is here at the Open Arms, with London Lager Meantime and Doom Bar on Draft, Punk AF, Alcohol Free, IPA, and White Burgundy in bottles and cans. We've got Grey Goose Vodka and Dry Vermouth in the spirit section. And the wild card is a legendary, uh, an infamous r- selection of pub snacks, sausage rolls, scotch eggs, sandwiches, decent nuts and olives. And we thank you, Jan Ravens, not just for your pub, but for also some of the wonderful pub names and images you brought for us. The Gurnard's Head, the Shipwright's Arms, the Green Lodge, the Ring of Bells, Threffle's Blue Label all of which Jabez Tunnicliffe would be railing against in his Band of Hope movement. (laughs) And all that we ask now is that you keep the open arms close to your chest for whenever you need it the most. Take it with you wherever you shall wend. And what song from Build-A-Rocket Boys would you like to play you out from The Moon Underwater?
1: Well, I think it's only meet and fitting that it should be open arms.
0: Here, here, here. So as we send Jan on her way into the vast vistas of dark night and sunsets to follow and sunrises to increase, uh, we thank her for her time in the moon underwater and we wish her well with the open arms. And to sing her on her way, it's Elbow.
1: Bye-bye, Jan. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.
0: Bye. And there she goes, Jan Ravens. And I'm just going to linger here by the window to watch her because she's being joined hand in hand by so many different spirits of the correct realm. And some of them are joyous some of them are comforting um but all of them are, are leading her to the 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 tear in the the tear in the universe's the the realm way as we call it the realm way which will lead her back to the other realm and we thank her for her time and her company and next week folks we will be joined by comedian Liam Williams who uh well, I'm very excited to have here, very excited to welcome him here, and very excited to hear his take on some of the pubs of the North. And his fantastic series, Ladhood, has been uh, a revelation to me. Really enjoy watching that on iPlayer, so do check that out. But for you, for me, for Robin, from me to you, from Robin, from us to you, Goodbye.
2: Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help, I Sexted My Boss live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome.
0: Go to sexedmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexedmyboss.com slash cinema.